Since the day she gave me that coveted final rose, my wife, Trista Sutter, has made me a better person. If she can get me to know better, to do better, and to just all around be better, then I'm sure she can do it for you too. You're listening to Better Etc. with my wife and your host, Trista Sutter. Hey everybody, this is Trista and you're listening to episode 29 of the Better Etc. podcast. Welcome. Today's episode is with someone who is my hero. He's my best friend, the love of my life, my Prince Charming, all of those things, Ryan Sutter. And he came on today to share his journey with finding answers to the medical mystery that he has been suffering from for over a year. It's been hard. It's a really difficult thing to see the person that you love most in this world struggling. And he's a big, strong guy. And to see him get emotional and feel helpless um, in a way in that all I could do was really advocate for him. So that's what I did. I dedicated my time to advocating for him, to trying to figure out what was wrong, to listening to anyone and everyone who reached out. Yes, I've read all of your emails, listened to phone calls and text messages and DMs and really anything. Scouring Google, I know (laughs) there's some downfalls to that, but uh, just trying to find answers because he's my safe place. And when he isn't in a good place, it affects me. And I just don't like to see him unhappy and to see him not be able to do the things that he loves you know, most in this world or even just hang out with his family because he's so fatigued and so tired and hurting, you know. So it's been hard, but we finally, finally have some answers, which feels really good. So he is here today to share with all of you listening uh, what has been going on. We go into you know, a a lot of detail in terms of the doctors we've seen or he's seen and the tests that they've done and the results as much as possible. I know I left some stuff out, but for the most part, you are hearing details into our journey and into finally finding an answer. I want to say thank you so much to all of the people who reached out with your own personal stories or stories of people that you know. I want to say thank you to our families, to our moms and dads, stepmoms, brothers, sisters, extended families. You are always there for us. And we are so, so grateful for your support and love in our lives. I want to say thank you to the people who helped kind of behind the scenes, you know, when people were reaching out to us, I was feeling very, very overwhelmed. I was really worried that Ryan would possibly lose his job. I actually had a panic attack. And thanks to Mike Fleiss and everyone at Warner who helped me out in terms of being able to navigate that overwhelm and uh, handle the media inquiries. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all of my friends. I love you so much, you guys who have just been my rock and constantly asked 
how we're doing and if we're okay. And even to people out there who I saw at a hockey game or strangers who read about his story and our story and asked how, asked how he was doing. Thank you for your concern, for your support, your love. Thank you to all of the medical professionals who have been involved in some way with helping us finding answers, especially to Dr. Lipton, his internal medicine doctor, Dr. Pep, general practitioner, to Dr. Jill Carnahan, functional medicine, to Dr. Heward, who works at Stedman Philbon Research Institute, and Lee Jones there. Thank you to Dr. Tom Hodge, who was a CDC director, to John Preston, who, oh, I feel like you guys will be hearing about because of his incredible medical invention. Maybe I'll have him come on and talk about it. That's saving lives everywhere. Uh, thank you to Dr. Barkoff, who's from Chicago, who uh, just talked to us on the phone and ordered some test results that I believe to be kind of crucial in his diagnosis. Thank you to to everyone, really, who helped us through this journey and and will be there for us to help him get back to normal, his normal, you know, before all of this, if possible. You know, we are very hopeful, very, very, very hopeful that he'll be able to do that. So uh, I'm not going to do a Trista's Takes today. I think I shared enough. That was kind of my Trista's Takes. Uh, for anyone out there who is struggling, keep up hope and keep advocating for yourself. Never stop. Never settle for an answer that you don't believe to be true. Keep advocating. Keep looking for answers. It's your right. It's your right to find answers and to consult with different doctors. So do not feel that going to one doctor and that answer to be definitive. Keep advocating for yourself. That is my biggest lesson in all of this is to keep advocating. And especially when it comes to insurance companies, I've dealt with them. Holy cow, have I dealt with insurance companies this year. And I would love to be part of any kind of progress we can make in getting people insurance that does not require a billion phone calls and the right representative to make sure that you get the right answer or any answers really, and to get the right coverage. It is oh, such a struggle and something I'm really passionate about. So just continue to advocate for yourself. And please, if you are struggling, please don't let the symptoms that Ryan dealt with, if you're dealing with something similar, don't allow his medical diagnosis to be a definitive diagnosis for you in any way, shape, or form. Please consult with medical professionals, people that you trust, whether it's in Western, Eastern, functional medicine, any of them, all of them. Just continue to look for answers and make sure they are coming from a trusted and board-certified, seriously, board-certified medical professional. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please support this podcast in going to wherever you're listening, whether it's Spotify or Apple or Google, and downloading the episodes, clicking subscribe, and giving us a five-star so that we can continue to share our story, share other stories in order for all of us to be better versions of ourselves. I appreciate all of you. And... Without further ado, here is my conversation with Ryan about finding answers to his medical mystery. Here we go. 
I'm happy to be sitting next to my partner, my best friend, my hubby. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And for those of you who may not know or had not heard, uh, whether through social or wherever, that Ryan has been battling something for about a year. He hasn't been feeling well. That's kind of you know, just a generic Mm -hmm. way to explain it. And we wanted to share with you his path to finding answers, how he was feeling for the past year. It has been a year. And we believe, hopefully, that we found an answer. So I'd love to start from the beginning Mm -hmm. and just share with people when you started feeling bad, what that looked like, and and we'll go from there. Sure, yeah. I think we talked a little bit about it last time we we spoke on your on your first very first podcast about how the first part of last year I had made some pretty big life changes. Um, you know, starting my career over and doing some things like that that were going to be challenging physically, emotionally, they were really challenging on the family and in a lot of different ways. And we all sort of sat down and discussed those and and decided we could get through that, maybe not knowing the full impact of what that was going to be. And so we started along that path and everything was sort of as anticipated. You know, I was, uh, you know, going through some, going through an academy, I was going through a lot of challenges, but they were all within the realm of what I expected and it was fine. And then COVID came and changed the world and we were all kind of sent home for COVID and we did, you know, did the best we could there, but the world was changing. Life was more stressful. Things were just different. And then, so when we went back to work, we kind of got back into the grind again. And then I just started feeling unwell. I chalked it up at that point to just long days, um, little rest, you know, dehydration, the, the sort of typical culprits when it comes to just not feeling a hundred percent. So I figured if I could just get through this sort of 18-week section of this process that I would begin to start to find some relief. And so I did. I got through that and went into the next phase of this new new career. Didn't feel any better. And in fact, I started to feel worse. Started to get some really unfamiliar type symptoms. Like what? You know, like uh, my my body would just itch for no reason. I'd get some pretty severe headaches. I got without a rash. Yeah, no you. rash. Yeah, just itching, swollen lymph nodes, nausea, nice. n- night sweats, fevers, uh, really, really deep bone aches and muscle aches and joint aches. Periods of extreme fatigue, where almost p- paralyzing fatigue, where you would just be sitting there. I, would, I use the example of I'd be sitting on the couch and I'd be thirsty, but I would have to really convince myself to summon the energy to even just go get a drink of water or anything like that. So all things that I just had never really experienced before in my life. I mean, I've done a lot of things that have made me tired, but this was beyond tired. Yeah. And, so, and yeah. that's true. We should say like you have pushed your body to its physical limits and mm-hmm. been been tired. I mean, you're also a firefighter. So having to work at a job where you are working for 24-hour or 48-hour shifts and sleeping there, but having to be ready to jump out of bed and go on a call 
Mm-hmm. You've known fatigue. So this kind of fatigue was different. Yeah. The fatigue that I would get from long races or from busy nights at the firehouse or whatever was um, in, a, in a way that was kind of satisfying fatigue where you just felt almost like the medal or the reward for having done something rewarding. So it was, I was, you know, driving home from the firehouse tired. I always felt a sense of satisfaction from that. Mm-hmm. This was different. This was a, this was a sense of like something's wrong. I don't feel good type of fatigue. And so that continued on and continued on for a while. I still had to go to work. You know, I was on a fire schedule. I was working, but I wasn't in a position where I could really address a lot of these things. I sort of, you just sort of had to kind of suck it up and and get through the the 24 hours and then hope to be able to recover enough on the time off to continue to do it again. So I don't think that was helping the situation, but the bottom line was I wasn't getting better in the period of time where I felt like I should be getting better. Yeah. So, and we just thought, let's go just talk to this doctor that we trusted and let's do just an overall general wellness checkup, tell him what your symptoms are and include all the symptoms that you had had over this time frame, but also like you had in the past had your lymph nodes in your groin and your armpits had been swollen mm-hmm. at times. So we mentioned that too. And so immediately he did some blood work. Mm-hmm. And I remember the thing that stood out the most to me in the blood work. I believe you had, you might, did you have low white blood cells? I've had historically low white blood cells. That's been attributed a lot of times to just kind of constantly running mm-hmm. on recovery mode. Right. And so the thing besides that that stood out to both of us was your ANA, which is anti-nuclear antibodies, mm-hmm. I believe, is what that stands for. And a high ANA can be significant marker for autoimmune disorders. Mm-hmm. And your ANA titer, which means the level of your ANA. So I've had an ANA test before in the past, and it was positive or negative. Mm-hmm. And mine was positive. And yours was not only positive, but the titer was the highest level it could be. The highest. It didn't go any higher. And that was that was something that really stood out that made us go to the next step. And what was that next step? Well, yeah, the high ANA titer was indicative of some sort of autoimmune something. Right. So the next step was to go to a specialist in that those sort of arenas. Rheumatologist. Yeah, rheumatologist, right. So that's what I did. I went to those doctors, went through some tests to try to see if I had things like rheumatoid arthritis or um, lupus, uh, autoimmune disorders, essentially. Mm-hmm. That was step one. And that was really where... I started to see the difficulty of navigating Mm. this type of situation. And that's the reason really why we're here talking today is because of the experience that we've gone through together and as individuals over the last year or so is concerning. It's it's eye-opening to see how difficult it is to figure out what's wrong with you if you have something, you know, other than when you have something like what's going on with me, it's not easy because there's lots of different schools of thoughts. Insurance comes into it, blah, blah, blah. We'll get into that, I'm sure. But so I went to go 
look into these autoimmune disorders, nothing came back um, glaringly obvious there. So I didn't have any of these sort of typical autoimmune diseases. The recommended course of treatment at that point was um, let's just try different medications and see if anything works. And I don't like to take medicines unless I, you know, really have to. And that I don't even like to take aspirin or things like that. So um, to just to just be experimentally trying different medications to see if they would help was not something I was um, interested in because every medication has um, side effects, mm-hmm. and you know you may be addressing one thing and causing three other things, and and I just wasn't comfortable with we don't really know what's what's causing it, so let's just use you as an you know a drug experiment so and also then just not give you answers necessarily but let's follow up in six months yeah yeah it was basically it was basically that well let's try these things or let's just let let's just see if maybe you get better or what you know whatever so there weren't there wasn't a there wasn't a lot of satisfaction coming from those appointments so we decided to shelve those options and continue to investigate into what you know uh, other things that may maybe causing the problem since the the first sort of obvious um, arenas weren't, weren't producing any results. Exactly. So the COVID-19 virus is out there. And as you're at work, there mm-hmm. are guys that are sent home. They've got, they've got COVID. They tested positive. They tested you a lot mm-hmm. for your job. And I remember one time in particular, a guy had come to work and then he found out later he he was positive. So you had a positive exposure. And I thought, oh, no, OK, this is it. <laughs> We're all getting it. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, it was a really scary thing where I thought, you know, because we didn't know a lot. Right. And I thought we're all going to be hospitalized. You know, hopefully we'll all come out of it. But mm-hmm. that was a scary thing because we thought, OK, maybe. But all of your tests came back negative, whether it was the test for the virus or the antibodies test, Mm -hmm. correct? So COVID wasn't necessarily on the table. We thought you're getting tested. You're not having the symptoms that people were talking about, which were mostly respiratory. You Mm -hmm. didn't have a lot of respiratory symptoms. I don't know if there were other symptoms that were associated with COVID. Well, the the fatigue and stuff was associated with it. Um, I, I would get sore throats swelling and stuff like that that was associated with it. So there were some overlapping symptoms, but but like you said, I, I had been tested um, several times, both for antibodies and the actual virus, and I had never tested positive. I had periods of time where I was, you know, obviously I was feeling some of these symptoms. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, in a um, vacuum, it would seem like perhaps that maybe I had had it. Yeah. But it was never, there was nothing conclusive that ever said that I had. Right. And so we talked to two of our friends who are parents of two kids, teenagers, who both, horribly enough, were diagnosed with lymphoma. Mm-hmm. So both of their kids had lymphoma as teenagers. And we both, we both talked to them. And at that point in time, you were still having the night sweats, you were fatigued, your white blood cell count was low. And so those were all matching up with lymphoma. Mm -hmm. So I advocated and I called the doctor that you had seen when we got that 
initial blood work in June and said, how can we get him into an oncologist? Because an oncologist doesn't see you until you have a cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So a primary physician has to diagnose you with cancer, and then you go to an oncologist. So we didn't have a cancer diagnosis for you, but this was one of the things that was kind of looming overhead and and really scary. And so finally, <laughs> I talked to an oncologist nurse practitioner who works with the oncologist here locally and finally was able to get you an appointment there. And they were amazing, mm-hmm. so thorough. They did a huge history with you and went through everything and ended up giving you thankfully, a a scan from your neck to your groin to check out all of your lymph nodes. Mm -hmm. And this is after, I think that we, I talked to an oncologist office in Denver who was connected to our friends who had the the kids with lymphoma. Mm -hmm. And they were saying, yes, we think that you need to get, I think it was a CAT scan. Was it a CAT scan? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We think you need to get a CAT scan. So that was the next step, was getting a CAT scan. and. That showed really nothing. There yeah. was nothing there. Yeah, that that came back negative, which was good. But it's almost it's a weird feeling because you come back and you your cancer screening comes back negative and you're like, Well, that's great, I don't have cancer. But and the the other side of that is, well, then what do I have? And exactly. so right. there's still no answers. You're still not feeling any better. It's not like they cured what was ever going on. They just eliminated one potential source and a significant source. So that it was a good and a bad thing, um, but again, it again it just it continued to demonstrate the difficulty in in exploring answers because you can't just go over to like you know we went to Shaw Cancer Center here in Eagle County you can't just go to the door and say hey I, I I'm having these symptoms can I just please get a CAT scan like it's not that simple you you have to get doctors to advocate for you you have to work through the insurance company because the insurance company is not going to pay for it unless the doctors well not only your doctors but then their doctors have to review the case and so it took forever to get forever. the CAT scan and so meanwhile you're sitting there thinking well do I have cancer and if I do have cancer then shouldn't I be starting to treat it and but you're not because you're waiting for this sort of bureaucratic process to yeah. to happen and that that was yet another indicator that the system is not set up for ease of diagnosis or it's not it's not set up really to advocate well for the patients right. it's it seems to be there's just so many loops loops and loopholes and things you have to jump over and jump through or whatever to find answers and if you if you don't advocate for yourself, then you can very easily get frustrated and lost in the system and just give up. And so that was all starting to become really clear. Um, and thank goodness we had, well, I had, I had you working hard. We had um, Peter and Allison, who are, who are our friends, who were advocating for us and putting us in touch with people. We have doctors that we know up here, we live in a small community, so you know your doctors. You can have meaningful conversations with them, and they, mm-hmm. they do have a relationship with you, so they advocate for you. But there's only so much they can do. There's only so much they can do as well. So yeah. we, have, we have really – we had really a lot of um, advantages that a lot of people probably don't have, and we were still having a really difficult time 
working through and navigating yeah. this process. 100%. So I think the next step was we found a primary doctor. And he's an internal, an internist, an internal medicine doctor, came highly recommended, Dr. Lipton. He's been working with us from the time that we had you go to him. He's mm-hmm. amazing. Love him. And got this appointment. Actually, this was before the CAT scan because I remember talking to him, can we get you to refer us to the oncologist to get the CAT scan? Mm-hmm. So we missed this little step, but we'll go back a little bit. So we went to Dr. Dr. Lipton. And I just remember being in that room and I went to these appointments when I could, because what, what Ryan doesn't say also is that he has an incredibly high pain tolerance. So you are like rock star in terms of pain. If I've always said, if this was me going through what you have been going through, I feel like I would have been bedridden because You know, you had this job that you had made this, you know, career change again, and you were super dedicated to it, didn't want to miss a day, really couldn't miss a day. You were given no vacation because that's just how it is, you know, when you're when you're starting over. And so you gave all of your time and energy to this job. Meanwhile, you're feeling like crap. And so I wanted to be at the appointments to tell the doctors that your pain tolerance is so high and your tolerance for dealing with not feeling well is so high that I believe that should that should be something that the doctors ask. That, that should be some kind of uh, standard in medicine of asking, do you tolerate things well? Because if you tolerate them and they're still really significant, then that's a significant thing to note. So anyway... I went to this appointment with you, and what were some things that stood out to you about that appointment? Yeah, you know, Dr. Lipton was great, and I think he he saw a lot of things that that didn't indicate cancer. Right. You know, there were there were some like the EBV virus was showing up in there, which it turns out ninety five percent of people have, which is that Epstein. in there. Yeah, yeah, Epstein Barr. So we that was the beginning of starting to do quite a few blood tests and things <laughs> quite a few <laughs> yeah, things coming back with sort of mild types of reactions or um you know the there would be i think the ebv ebv antibodies were really high mm-hmm. and so that was one indication that there was some infection going on there that maybe this wasn't a cancer type of thing but it, it, at any rate we started to see some things going off but still nothing really that was leading us to any kind of conclusive diagnosis but he was able to find enough there to say let's let's do the cat scan let's you know he he was able to work with um the cancer center and I was able to get that and like we like we said that came back negative so we were able to rule that out but we were still investigating a lot of other things so I was starting to do more and more blood tests um I think at some point around this time is when we did the social media post. Mm-hmm. It actually ended up being a really positive thing. It was difficult because you know we had s- such a h- high response to it. People were were calling you know our our phones or um, they were calling firehouses and they were doing things that made it difficult and it was a little less than ideal. But the bottom line is what we figured out was a lot of people are going through really similar things. Yeah. 
A lot of people. A lot of people. And then we also found that this provided some introductions to other doctors or the you know uh, um, people that ended up, I think, being um, instrumental in in finally finding the this the solutions or at least you know helping to develop a path that's hopefully going to start to bring some relief. So it was good and bad. You, you we dealt with an overwhelming number of responses that a lot of people that shouldn't have had to deal with those responses ended up having to field some of those things. And, you know, we're, we were apologetic for that, but we didn't anticipate that that happening, obviously. No, and the good, good thing was that, you know, we did get resources out of it and that's that. And, and a lot of those resources were local. So we could start to work through, through Dr. Lipton. He could help facilitate relationships, um, with uh, like Stedman, uh, the Stedman Philippon Research Center, Dr. Heward and Lee Jones, and those guys started to really take an interest. It was falling in line with some of this, the work they were going to do anyways. And so mm-hmm. we started to be able to form some mutually beneficial relationships to continue to explore this stuff. We started to talk to Dr. Tom Hodge, who was with the CDC for a long time, who, who was doing a lot of research into COVID. He was a doctor at the CDC or a director at the CDC during, yeah. I think, five pandemics, pandemics yeah. which is crazy to me that I had never even known that they were necessarily pandemics. So anyway, he has a has a vast knowledge. So bottom line is we were um, through previous friends or uh, friends of friends and then just sort of strangers in a lot of cases were able to um, formulate a, a team of people to start looking into this stuff, to start um, drafting more tests, looking at those results, starting to come up with um, some some well some plans to at least try to figure out what was going on. We weren't yeah, at the some point avenues, where, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I do want to say um, to tag on to what you said about people reaching out. I, we are so thankful to to everyone who reached out, whether they wrote an email or they commented on a post or they DM'd us or they called our landline, even if we weren't available to talk. We know that your outreach was with incredibly good intentions and you just wanted to help and share your stories. And we apologize for not being able to get back to everyone and even just giving you, uh, you know, an acknowledgement that we received your message. We received I would assume all of them. And I have an, a folder in my email that is just for that. And I just looked at it. It's almost 400 emails that people reached out. And that's not including the DMs from social. So thank you to anyone who did reach out. Um, we are so appreciative for your support. And honestly, in hearing from all of you, there were things that came up on the radar for us that we were like, oh, well, we should ask the doctors about this. And that wasn't even, you know, from the medical professionals that we were working with. It was from all of you out there. So thank you. A couple of the things that I kind of had on my radar from the beginning, because I have friends who who have suffered from them, are um, mold toxicity. And because of your profession in firefighting, that was one that was kind of, you know, high on our our list of wanting to get them crossed off. And Mm -hmm. then also Lyme disease was one of them. So those had been on our list from the beginning. But you mentioned this in the beginning about kind of the difficulties with different schools of thought. And we have found out 
through this process that, you know, Western medicine isn't necessarily, um, and that's not to say that the doctors that we've worked with are, are feel this way, but it's difficult to get an answer for something like mold or Lyme disease because a lot of Western medicine doctors, medical professionals, don't necessarily believe that you can develop these things in Colorado or, you know, I don't know that they truly believe necessarily that they are conditions that we, well, at least for you, that we should have looked into. So that's why it took us so long to kind of get to those answers because, you know, I remember your rheumatologist, I specifically asked about Lyme disease and I think his answer was, well, a lot of the results can be positive. And if you, if you get a positive result, sometimes it's a false positive. And so I don't want you to go down that road if it's a false positive. And I was like, well, what can we, can we just do it? <laughs> well, we did, we did a CDC Lyme to set Lyme test early on, which is the one that like the rheumatologist said was fine. And so, got it. and that didn't come back as positive. And so I just kind of wrote, wrote it, it off. off. I was like, yeah, well, he right. said that, cause I, you know, you, you trust your doctors and yeah, he said, um, he said the other ones, like, you know, it's it's an hygienics test that is the more thorough one. He said a lot of times people will take that one, they'll get positive results, but it really doesn't indicate a um, heavy presence of Lyme or something. And and then suddenly you um, just go down the I have Lyme disease path and it's it's almost like it provides an easy solution type of thing. And And he wasn't convinced that like you said, he wasn't convinced that as many people who think they have Lyme disease actually do have Lyme disease. And so you're, you're, um, you're being presented that school of thought. And then you're, you're, you know, later on down the road, which I'm sure we'll get to you, you, you get a different school of thought from more functional medicine type type people who, who believe in the hygienics test as a really thorough test and that it does mm -hmm. indicate the presence of those bacteria and those tick-borne illnesses and that sort of stuff. And that that is a cause for concern and treatment and that there are ways to deal with that. So there's a lot of learning that's involved in here. There's a lot of a lot of advocating for yourself. But the bottom line seemed to be was that you need to try to get a diverse set of opinions and yeah. use the, the trusted resources, but then also um, kind of ask around, you know, other there are a lot of people going through these types of things. And like you said, we were inundated with a lot of different um, possible causes. And so we had, we had questions that we could ask, you know, what about this? What about that? Right, this right. person said this. The difficult part is that a lot of these things, whether it's long haul COVID or Epstein-Barr or Lyme or whatever, have really similar symptoms. And so yeah. everyone says, oh, that's exactly what I have. You have lupus or, right. oh, you definitely have Lyme disease or you have definitely have this. And it's just because your body basically fights infections and toxicities in a really similar way. It doesn't really matter what the virus or bacteria or whatever is, your immune system is attacking it. And that's, it's causing these reactions and those symptoms are similar, you know, across the, across the board. And so it, that makes it difficult. You can't just say, oh, well, I have joint pain, headaches, and a sore throat, that means I have Lyme disease. Right. Yeah. There's no simple solution. So you're going through all these, all these tests. Like, I don't know how many blood tests I took. It was probably at least 50. 
At least. I mean, one time, and I think this is this was from Dr. Lipton, and we were wanting to get some of these answers that people were sending in, you know, saying, check for mold, check for everything. And so at one point in time, you had 33 vials of blood drawn, right? In one day. It was, yeah, it was well over 30. It was the most they'd ever taken at one time at the lab that I was at in Vail. And so in half of them, they didn't even know what they were because they were going to different places and we went through a comprehensive, very comprehensive process, yeah. yeah, and expensive process, and that's another whole other issue with this thing is that, yeah, and I and I think unfortunately that steers a lot of, you know, when you go to a doctor, a lot of what they're going to suggest is based on what they can provide themselves or what insurance may or may not cover, right? And so, you know, for good reason, they're reluctant to say. Hey, you know the CDC Lyme test didn't come back positive, but there's a there's a more thorough one. But it costs twenty six hundred dollars, and it's not covered by insurance. Well, who has twenty six hundred dollars laying around for a maybe this will come back positive type of thing? Especially if you're not feeling well and home all the time. Right. So that's a whole other issue. And um, the bottom line is, a year or so ago, we started this investigative process, and it took a year to finally come up with a diagnosis. But but what I will say, Dr. Lipton, he had heard of a doctor in Boulder, Denver, you know, a couple hours away from us, mm-hmm. who is an expert in, in mold. She's a functional medicine doctor. Mm-hmm. And we had also heard of another functional medicine doctor in Denver who actually suffers from Lyme disease, but he's also a neurologist. So he's got both schools of... of medicine, you know, the functional medicine angle and the Western medicine angle. And Mm -hmm. we thought, whoa, those are two great options. We did that blood work kind of based on what we thought that the functional medicine doctors would come up with. And then it was, okay, so what next? And during this whole period of time, long haul COVID is coming out as something that people are dealing with. And we are we sent your blood work off to a lab in San Francisco that tests it's like one of the only labs i guess in at the time at the time right in the country that was testing the t cells for the SARS-CoV-2 virus, virus. and that came back positive so dr hodge who was a cdc director at one point he thought for sure this is you've got long haul covid and so we were kind of directing our attention that way, but also thinking, well, we still need to go this functional medicine route. And besides the fact that long haul COVID, which is definitely something that's still a possibility and something Mm -hmm. that's on the table, but you can't get diagnosed for it necessarily. I don't think they have a test at this point that can say, okay, yes, you are a long COVID patient and who knows how long you'll have to deal. You know, it's still, that's, that's an answer that still comes with a whole lot of questions. It's it's based on having a confirmed case of COVID, which I had, based on the T cell test, it indicated that I had had COVID at some point. Yeah, that so like, we didn't know because right. you would always test a negative. Right, and then it's based on the symptoms that you have, and some of those are obvious. Where if if you're having um, the the difficulty breathing stuff and the lack of smell and taste, well, then yeah, you're probably in that um, COVID. Um, realm but yeah. but for me i think um th- that was the good the good part about having all these people 
advocating for you is you did have Dr. Hodge and and John who were heavy into this COVID world. They were concerned about that because there were a lot of reasons to be concerned for it. Yeah. Heart heart issues. So I had um cardiograms and all sorts of stuff. An MRI. An MRI on my yeah. heart. So I was getting a lot of things that were ruling out major issues, um, but nothing was really actually conclusively determining what was causing all of the problems. Yeah, so yeah. then after that, right. we we continued that path toward functional medicine. And I compiled an email. I had a couple people reaching out to me saying, put a list together of all his symptoms, of all his lab results, and I want to give it to my doctor because they're, you know, incredible and I fully trust them and everything. So I compiled this email and I reached out to Dr. Carnahan, who is the one that Dr. Lipton recommended in Boulder and Denver, the functional medicine doctor. And I reached out to her on social media, actually. And she got right back to me and said she would be, of course, more than willing to look at your history, your lab results to to that point, and also to get you the Igenix test for Lyme disease that my friends who have Lyme disease highly recommended. They said, this is the only test you need to do. This is the test you need to do. So I advocated for that uh, with Dr. Carnahan, and and she we finally got the Lyme test done. Mm-hmm. $2,600 later, holy cow. But uh, we finally got the lab test done. And we had a consult with her last week, mm-hmm. last week. Yep. And she's amazing. Saying that she was incredible and thorough does not say that the other doctors that we had been working with weren't thorough. They were, Dr. Lipton was incredibly thorough. I remember being in in at the doctor's office and just thinking to myself, wow, he really is dedicating a whole lot of time to you and really getting to the bottom of. Well, I, I think what was most refreshing to me throughout when we got um, first was Dr. Peck and Dr. Peck's like, yes. you know what, this is out of my realm. Let's get you to somebody else. Yeah. Then we ended up with Dr. Lipton, Dr. Hewitt and Lee Jones over at STEM and Philippon. All of these doctors. Um, Philippon was more into research. Dr. Lipton was more general practitioner, more Western medicine, but didn't discount other forms of of medical sort of relief. And Dr. Hodge too. And uh, Dr. Hodge, John Preston, all all of these guys and girls were, it seemed like, legitimately interested in finding a solution, regardless of whether or not they were going to be the one that found it and solved the problem or not. So they they had really no egos in this whole process. And I think that was really important because Dr. Lipton was like, you need to go talk to um, Dr. Carnahan. And, um, you know, Johnny Heward, Dr. Heward was like, um, let me see what I can do about getting you in front of um, Dr. Prusmak, who was the neurologist that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That was cost prohibitive was the only reason why we couldn't really go through him. Like that stuff starts to get really expensive. But if those doctors hadn't been so unselfish or so willing to refer you to other people or to, you know, to not feel like they had to be the one to solve this problem, then we never would have gotten to like Dr. Carnahan. We never would have had this great consultation last week and we would never be on the path that we're on now. So that's kind of what I mean when I said earlier, you, you need to develop a team of 
people you trust, whether it's doctors, friends, whatever, mm -hmm. who are generally interested in finding a solution, who are passionate about their jobs and their careers and the field of medicine and realize that it's a broad field, that it isn't just Western, it isn't just Eastern, that it's um, a combination of a lot of different things and that really the only way to finding a solution is a collaborative effort. And yeah. that's how I think we found a solution was yeah. the collaborative effort of a lot of different people, oh. including your efforts and, you know, me to some degree, just advocating for, um, you know, this just, uh, just, this just doesn't feel right. Let's keep looking type right. of thing instead of just settling on, um, well, just take these medicines and see if they work totally. or, or it's long haul COVID or it's, you know, whatever. Well, and we didn't do that because you were still feeling bad. And even you were <clears throat> developing new symptoms. Like you told me, I, I don't know, this maybe like three months ago, you were walking Sophie, uh, you were out on a walk and you felt like you could have passed out. You know, someone drove up and was saying hi in their car. Yeah, uh, that that um, extreme sort of lightheadedness, dizziness, just out of nowhere, walking the dog, um, a friend of mine from when I used to work up in Eagle County, stopped by and I almost needed to ask if I could just, you know, sit in his car for a second because you thought you I were thought, thought I was going to pass out. Yeah. And that was an entirely new. That was totally new. Yeah. And, and mind you, you're still having these night sweats every so often. I mean, within the past couple of weeks, few weeks, mm -hmm. you've had, you've had night sweats and the feverish, like not feeling right, I right. think was, was a big one. Um, so you're still developing these symptoms and, and so you'll come home and every day I ask you, how are you feeling? You know, and it would, it, it was a total roller coaster. There were mm -hmm. some days that you were great and some days that you were not great. And, yeah. and so we couldn't just let it be. And right. be like, okay, let's just do the anti-inflammatory diet and see if that helps. And let's, you know, have you take Advil or whatever. Um, we need we need to get an answer. So we continued to go, go, go. And before we actually, I have to back up a little bit too. Before we talked to Dr. Carnahan, mold toxicity was one of those big things that I wanted to look into because I thought it could definitely, and the doctors did too, you know, let's let's look into it. So I had someone come test the house for mold. Mm -hmm. He went through everything and, uh, we got a clean bill of health for our house and there was no mold here. Of course we can't go, you know, to the different, uh, places that you work and, mm -hmm. and test it for mold. So who knows if that's out there, but I do want to say that we received a connection through a friend who connected us to an endocrinologist and she looked into some genes that test for susceptibility to toxins, basically. to toxins. Right. Exactly. So we were looking into that too. And we still are kind of looking into that. The gene test said I am susceptible, susceptible. to yes. toxins. So the bottom line is I'm in a profession where I'm exposed to a lot of toxins. We did have our house tested for mold, but, and that came back, you know, we didn't have mold in our house, but I walk into a lot of people's houses, right. but it's a profession where your your body is fighting off a lot of toxins, yeah. whether they're um, pro products of combustion or pollutions, molds, funguses, uh, viruses, bacteria. I think your immune system is always on high when you're in certain professions, um, you know, doctors, nurses, firefighters, EMTs, that sort of stuff, probably a little higher than, a little higher exposure rates than most. And so I was... 
I'm in that profession, obviously, and I have a genetic predisposition that makes me more susceptible to those things. It makes it harder for my body to to relinquish to fight those exposures. Yeah. yeah, right. I mean, thank goodness we got connected to Dr. Barkoff in Chicago and she tested for that. And thank goodness for Skype and Zoom because we were able to consult with her online. So I'd love for you to talk right. about that consultation with Dr. Carnahan. Like we mentioned, I already have this predisposition to toxins. So my body's having a hard time fighting those off. The mold toxicity test came back positive, which meant that I was dealing with mold in my body. And um, what Dr. Carnahan had said is that mold is um, is really hard on your immune system, that it, it will devastate your immune system and weaken it. So on top of being exposed to mold, I was also dealing with these long days, exhaustion, dehydration, all these other things that weaken your immune system, products of combustion. So my immune system was weakened, making it difficult to fight off infections or what it seems like allowing prior infections that my immune system had been able to sort of suppress and keep down to resurface. One of those infections was indeed Lyme disease. So um, I tested positive for Lyme disease. I now essentially have Lyme disease. It seems like that's something that I will always have. It's just that now I know and I can start to try to build back my immune system so they can fight it off. Mm -hmm. Again, um, Epstein-Barr, um, I, ha I had shown that virus. This weakened immune system may have allowed that to kind of come back in. On top of that, COVID. So I had co the COVID virus, EBV virus, and Lyme disease all were able to start to show back up. I don't know which ones necessarily did and which ones didn't right. other than Lyme disease. And Lyme, from what I've heard from so many people, is what they call the great imitator. So it can imitate different diseases. So you think you have cancer, like it was showing up right. as cancer. It it imitates different things so that you um, might think that there's one thing that you're struggling with when in fact at least for you. You know, I'm not saying that this could be everyone out there who has mm -hmm. different things going on. Make sure that you consult with doctors that you trust and and continue to advocate for yourself to get the answers that you need. But um, but Lyme is a great imitator. So it was imitating a lot of things for you. And I think that's why some doctors don't believe in it is they think it's sort of like it's kind of like the irritable bowel, bowel thing. Like we don't really know what you have. So you have Lyme disease kind of thing. Yeah. So you're right. Like it has to make sense to you. And this, in my case, finally did make sense. I mean, I'm always outside, whether it's in Colorado or outside of Colorado. You know, when we went to Nashville, we went on hikes through the woods. When we went to Michigan, we went yeah. on hikes. Like there's, we're susceptible to a lot of these things. And it turns out that you can actually get it from other insects besides ticks, sometimes um, spider bites and things yeah. like that. So anyway, um, I'm, I'm, suffering from Lyme disease, that seems to be the most likely cause of the majority of my symptoms. But there's also these underlying viruses, you know, 95% of people have EB Epstein-Barr virus in their system. It's sort of like chicken pox that, you know, sometimes later in life shows up as shingles that it's just because of your weakened immune system. So it seems to me like what happened or what Dr. Um, Carnahan believes happened and which I um, believe her is that my immune system was weakened through exposures to toxins and especially to mold. 
at that because m- of your genetic susceptibility. Um, because of my genetics, you know, there are other people in the fire academy who have probably had the same exposures that are not dealing with these issues because their their genetics are stronger. They they're able to get rid of the toxins easier. I'm also 46 years old. That has something to do with it. I'm not 22, you know, and and all of that sort of thing. So there are a lot of factors in to how my immune system got weakened, but it did. Um, the other thing about the mold is that it um, hides in your joints and outside of your blood system. And so that um, can be causing some, especially in injured areas. So that can cause some of um, the joint pain that I'm dealing with in like the ankle that I kind of twisted in the academy or in my knees. So that happened. Um, you know, who knows what role COVID played in this? I, I have no doubt that it played some role, that I was dealing with something in that, you know, maybe in that long hauler realm on top of all this other stuff. But the major things now that we're addressing are the Lyme disease and the mold mold toxicity. With Lyme, you can do a couple of things. You can go on a a pretty heavy dose of layered antibiotics for several weeks, which really is rough on your, your gut and all your systems and that sort of stuff, which I'm not doing. I've responded well at this point to supplements, dietary changes, you know, I think it's also important to mention um, which Dr. Um, Carnahan did was that in the fire profession, in a lot of professions, you're taxing your adrenals. You know, you're you're up for 24 hours or you're up for a long time, then you're drinking a boatload of coffee to try to stay awake. And so your adrenals are getting depleted and that's causing a lot of these problems too. And so that's another thing that I'm needing to address is recovery and diet and that kind of stuff. There's so many different things that are associated with this uh, leaky gut, which is like what she described as um, like the the lining of your stomach has essentially, if you think of it as a tiled wall, well, the grout in between the tiles is compromised. And that's only, I think she said it's only one one cell layer thick. So the the toxins and the Lyme disease and those sorts of things damage those uh, that that sort of space in between these the grout, tiles, yeah. The grout, yeah. And so when you eat things like gluten or dairy, it goes into your gets into your bloodstream quick stream quicker. It's not recognized by your immune system, and it triggers an autoimmune response. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that's kind of compounding. This is a you know leaky gut type of symptoms. And so what I'm doing, what I've been doing for the last several weeks, is uh, been avoiding as best I can gluten, dairy, and refined sugars. I've added a ton more vegetables and fruits to my diet, things that are easily digestible. I'm trying to to rebuild my immune system, especially uh, my liver. And I, I'm not a drinker. I hardly ever drink, but other things can damage your, your liver, especially if you're, contribute, if you're um, compiling all of these toxins in there. So I've gone on, um, you know, specific diets and things to try to um, help alleviate a lot of those things so that my um, internal organs can function more efficiently and begin to fight back some of these um, viruses and bacteria that they were able to to hold back um, prior to going through this last year. So I guess long story short, the main diagnosis is Lyme disease with mold toxicity and um, some underlying co-infections, um, whether it's Epstein-Barr COVID, those sorts of things. The best way for me to combat that is to utilize my built-in systems, to utilize my immune system, which ironically was what is was attacking my body, was this autoimmune stuff. But to get 
that back straightened out so that it's working properly and can start to fight this stuff back naturally. Um, I, I really like that approach um, as opposed to like a heavy antibiotic dose or any kind of like heavy medicine type treatment. I would much rather, I'm a strong believer in the ability of your body to, to heal itself in a lot of cases when you put it in the right situations or when you provide what it needs to do its job. And so I'm working with Dr. Carnahan to come up with a program that's going to help rebuild my immune system, um, re-strengthen it, um, you know, that, and that's comprehensive from diet to supplements to uh, physical therapy to recovery to everything. It's, a, it's, a, it's something that I'm actually really kind of fascinated with, really interested in, because it falls right in line with um, my line of thinking. My entire life was just trying to maximize your potential to try to, you know, be the best person you can. Prior to this, I always thought that was through, you know, difficult physical challenge through um, building perseverance and resilience. And I think that that has helped me get through this is being able to be resilient, you know, because this is hard. You know, there have been a couple of times where I've broken down and been like, I can't, I don't know what's going on. I can't get over this. Like, oh, and it's, it's exhausting to, to constantly feel sick. And, and you felt like, or have expressed this, that you felt like a burden, um, that you didn't want to burden me. Whereas of course, all I wanted was for you to feel better. Yeah. You know, you, when you're coming home from work, taking a three hour nap, and then you're up, you know, for a little while, and then you go to bed at seven 30 and you're barely spending any time with your kids. You're barely ever see your wife. All you're trying to do is just survive you know, that's not how anyone wants to live. And, you know, you do start to feel guilty because, you know, moments with your family are precious moments and moments, you know, every moment is a precious moment. You know, I love life. And so to be spending it um, not feeling well or sleeping or tired or whatever, just wasn't, it was hard. It was hard to take it. So we kind of got through that. We sort of have weathered that storm I I truly believe that we're on the right path now. Mm-hmm. Um, and very thankful for where we are and for everyone who's helped us get there, whether that's the doctors, um, or family support, or even all of the people that have um, written in on social media or in other avenues. Whether or not um, I I was able to read their post or respond to their post or or not, there's. Um, power. There's a certain magic in knowing people care about you, and yeah. and so I I think that helped too. Just to just to be like, hey, you know, this post that we we posted has generated a lot of support, and that's meaningful. So I think we're in a good place now. I think we're moving in the right direction. I I know I have a good team of people um, supporting me, and I you know I'm confident that. I'll get back to where I want to be in life. I'm already starting to feel some of that, you know, and and I've been able to get outside and get on my bike and get it back into experiences with nature, which I also believe have um, healing properties and healing power. So things are, um, things are looking up kind of thing, you know, it's (laughs) one of those situations, but it's weird because you feel, you feel cautiously optimistic. I'm always knocking on wood because um, like you said, there have been periods of time throughout where I've felt better and thought I was over it, and then I'll get slapped back down to um, reality. And so I'm yeah. I'm cautiously optimistic, but more optimistic than um, I have been in a really long time that um, 
that we're going to come through this and and be fine on the other end of it. And now, and now I want to start, and I think you and I, and I want to start trying to do what we can to maybe see if there's way, are ways that we can help other people get through this because having gone through it, I know how difficult it is. Yeah. Um, whether it's just the way that you feel, I mean, you feel like you feel like crap, yet you you're having to thank goodness for you. Because if I were having to do this on my own, I wouldn't have been able to summon the energy to be on the phone with insurance companies, to be investigating um, other options, to be making phone calls, um, arranging all of these different tests, and taking all of these different tests, and then waiting for the results. And like, there's just a lot, a lot that goes into it, and a lot of people. Um, I know are suffering through these types of things. And I'm, I'm hoping that in some small way, we might be able to shed some light or start to facilitate some change that makes it easier, or at least encourages people to keep, to keep looking, um, to keep looking for answers so that they can get to where I feel like we've gotten to. And um, I, I know when we were on the bachelor all those years ago, we used to get people that would write and say, you know, you're, your story gave me hope in finding um, love or, or whatever. And now I feel like our new sort of goal is to give people hope that they can get through their medical issues and, and find solutions. And, and hopefully we can start to turn the world around a little bit because I think a lot of what's, what's happening with people are there's so many stressors in life now that our bodies aren't equipped to deal with all of them, whether they're in chemical forms or um, emotional forms, um, pollutions and all these sorts of things, people just are dealing with a lot of stress and, and that's hard and and that's unhealthy and people, you know, people are suffering. And I think I'm hoping that we can help in some way, you know, maybe with, with some of our, our doctors or some of our social media um, connections or whatever, in whatever way we can kind of start to help bring about some, some positive change so people can start to feel better and live, live their lives like they want to live them. So okay. um, that's kind of, I guess that's kind of where we're at now. That's, you know, that's the, the, the most recent update and hopefully we'll be able to continue to, to provide progressive positive updates from here on out. That's right. Yeah. So that's that's his journey. That's our journey. And like you said, uh, we will continue to update, uh, maybe have you back on the podcast, maybe just, you know, posting on social. Uh, however, we we are able to share. We will share in the future. And we just wanted to share this journey with everybody because. For me, I feel like so many people have been connected to us and can relate to our our life uh, since the beginning, you know, and uh, I mean, just kind of like how we shared our wedding, I want to continue to share um, the ups and downs of, of real life uh, for the Sutter family. And this is has been a big one for the last year. So thank you to everybody for your love and support, um, your recommendations, your connections to doctors, your, you know, vulnerability and sharing your own stories and what you've been through or what a loved one or a friend of yours has been through, even though we haven't been able to, to reach out and 
connect with all of you. Please know that we read everything and and we really truly appreciate all of your of your thoughts and and prayers and help and support. So so uh thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming on and sharing your journey. Yeah, thanks journey. for helping me get here. Your diagnosis, of course. Yeah. Anything for you. All right. I love you. Love you too. Thanks so much for listening today. I truly appreciate each and every one of you. And I hope that this episode has allowed you to become a better version of yourself in some small or even a big way. Please head to wherever you listen to your podcast and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, head on over to the ratings and give us a five-star rating. But also, if you could write a review, that would be amazing on whatever you have enjoyed listening to and what you would like to hear of more. If you enjoy these episodes or even if you think somebody else might enjoy them, please pass it on to a friend or a family member. To find me, you can go to Instagram at Trista Sutter or Facebook at Trista Sutter Fan Page. Thank you so much again. Have a great day.